1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: At the stadium, Vinny schmoozes in luxury suites. From the
3: left, dear, one sells from the left. Whatever's gotten into you, Calpernia? Amy,
2: post up in the bleachers.
3: You're
4: all guarded! Yeah.
2: The only place to catch Vinny and Haney together is on 105.7 The Fan.
4: Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, featured on his Friday, REO Speedwagon. And we're digging deep into their archives, for sure. You chose them, we're jamming. A couple more uh, segments to go, so get your request in at 410-583-1057. Bob Haney, Vinny's Rado, or you will start the exhibition season Tomorrow against the Red Sox. You can watch it on Masson. got access to pirate stuff. You can watch them again on Sunday, too. Exhibition number two. But let's talk about the Orioles, how they've looked so far, but maybe bigger pictures sort of talk there. Baltimore Sun is on the WGK log Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. He is Jacob Calvin Meyer. Jacob, what's happening on this Featured Artist Friday?
5: Always
4: a pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, we are Grace Rodriguez, Jacob, coming out of the break, talking about working on that fastball, commanding it better, which we saw in the second half of the season. For him, first half versus second half, the numbers speak for themselves. But he's had a taste of this Major League Baseball life. And now that we've had injuries to Braddish and John Means, is this a guy, he's young enough, strong enough to handle the load. But he now steps into the number two spot in the rotation. So if we're looking at expectations, personally, I see a strong year for him. I'm guessing he's a guy, based on his confidence, expecting the same sort of thing.
5: Yeah, I mean, why not? He was one of the best pitchers in the American League for the second half last season. Um, his fastball command and his confidence in that pitch um, was excellent in the, in the second half of the season. And even the first half, those first 10 starts when he struggled, you know, half of those starts were still, were still good starts. It's not like you couldn't tell that, that this guy had potential and that he was going to be really good. Um, you know, it was just a couple of minor tweaks that he had to go down to AAA to, to get fixed. And so, yeah, listen, I, it was a luxury to be able to have Grayson Rodriguez as your, your number three starter and have two Cy Young candidates uh, ahead of him. Um, and hopefully by the middle of the season, by the end of the season, the, the Orioles are, are hoping that that is the case and that Kyle Bradish can return and, and be healthy. But um, if the worst-case scenario is that Grayson Rodriguez pitches the way that you know everybody in the organization believes he can – Um, and he's your number two behind Corbin Burns, this team's going to be just fine.
4: Now, Jacob, staying with the rotation, a guy that we tend to forget from time to time is Dean Kramer, who had a really good year for the Orioles last year. As a matter of fact, we saw this uh, develop in the second half of 2022 after some rough patches for sure. But Dean Kramer, how is he situated? As again, everyone kind of moves up a notch, we assume, given the absences at least coming out of Sarasota in the starting rotation.
5: Yeah, I think I think Dean Kramer is somebody who is listen. Not not every start is going to be great, but I, I think I think Dean Kramer is pretty dependable. I know the ALDS start uh, doesn't point to that, but he started both of their clinch games in September. He pitched well both times. He's somebody that um, has a uh, seems to have a pretty healthy process of how he goes about things. It seems like he's got uh, pretty healthy mechanics and and, uh, uh, is able to uh, go out and and give you 30, 32 starts. And so when you look at the outlook for Dean Kramer, he's also one of those guys that that had a a really good second half last year. I think it was a low three ERA in the second half of the season after he, he struggled in the month of April. And so he's somebody with his arsenal. He's got six pitches. Um, he's somebody that if if he can really lock in and, and command all of those pitches, he's going to have success getting both sides of the plate out. And, and uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised at all if you look up at the end of the season and say, "Wow, you know, Dean Kramer had a much better year than maybe people were expecting."
4: Now we know Corbin Burns is a brilliant pitcher. Cy Young speaks for itself. He'll be the opening day pitcher. Well, exhibition tomorrow and probably March 28th. Two years ago, Jordan Lyles comes in, was a big-time influence in the clubhouse with the young pitchers. Same with Kyle Gibson last year. Burns is not even 30 himself, but do they still need that kind of veteran, air quotes, leader guy? Or are they, even though they're younger pitchers themselves, are they kind of in tune with what's going on and Burns just needs to go out there and do what Corbin Burns does? Do
5: they need it? Probably not. Like, I think if if... You know, they not having a that grizzly veteran uh, at the top of your rotation. You know, I don't think it's the end of the world. But can Corbin Burns provide something similar to what Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson uh, had? Of course, of course he can. I, I don't. He's. You know, we've only we've only known him for a week, but he's somebody that his reputation precedes him. He has a good process about him. He has a good head on his shoulders. Um, I will say this. I you know, firstly. If if you had to choose between uh, Corbin Burns having Kyle Gibson's leadership skills um, or Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young Award, I think he would probably go with the latter. Um, but, you know, I, I think he could he could do both. And not even on top of the mental side, I think Corbin Burns can help some of these guys with, with their repertoire. I mean, a couple of these pitchers in, in the rotation and the bullpen throw cutters, Grayson throws a cutter, Dean Kramer throws a cutter, uh, Cole Irvin, I think, throws a cutter, and a couple of guys in the bullpen. And so you've, you've got, you know, no, nobody has Mariano Rivera's cutter, but for today's game, I don't know if there are too many pitchers that have a better uh, cutter than, than Corbin Burns does. And so I think he can help them mentally uh, with, with their maturity as a guy that's been in, in this league for five, six years, um, and he can help them probably with, 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 with their stuff.
4: Jacob Calvin Meyer covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Joining us here, Vinny and Haney, 105.7. The fan, Heston Kerstad, let's get to him, was on the playoff roster last year, was the number two pick in the draft, has an epic power like a lot of the young Oriole players do. Brandon Hyde talked about it yesterday. His mo- most likely position defensively, assuming Jacob, he makes the team, will be where?
5: Uh Probably designated hitter. I
4: mean, <laughs> Should he bring his glove from Florida with
5: him? Well, I'm not even. That's not even a knock to Hessen. First, per say we, we have not seen enough of him defensively to to know what type of defensive outfielder he's going to be. But on this team, I think he'll get a good amount of plate appearances as a DH. If um, if I'm picking a position, I will say right field at Camden Yards and left field when they're not at Camden Yards. I don't know if he's got the defensive prowess yet to play left field of Camden Yards that's um one of the more difficult outfield spots in, in all of baseball and uh so I think I think he can play some right field at Camden Yards um he's not going to do much work at uh, if any at first base this spring um and so they're focused on him as a corner outfielder but listen at the end of the day it's, it's his bat that they love and it's his bat that's got him to be a, a top prospect
2: hey Jacob how impressed were you with Cano yesterday
5: I mean, I'm always impressed by Cano. I, you, I you could just, I could just watch that man walk, and I'd be impressed. Just <laughs> how big he is, how built he is. I, it's in, it's intimidating, man. When he's on the mound, he's got him and Kimbrell. That's two intimidating guys uh, in in the back end of that bullpen. And I think he's, I think he's a a pretty typical regression candidate in terms of he pitched so well last season, so much better than people expected. I think they're looking at, at maybe a down season for him just because of how good he was last year. But I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case. He looked like the same Yenny or Cano to me uh, yesterday when he threw.
2: Now, Jacob, Hyder talked about, you know, like we count on surprises. And is there anybody, I know had first games tomorrow, anybody like jumping out yet that you could kind of see that is kind of pushing for a little bit extra?
5: Yeah, it's tough to tell because it's just in live BP. I will say one guy that's jumping out a little bit is Kyle Stowers. Um, He's gotten a couple hits, hard hits, against left-handed pitchers. Um, For him to have that success left on left um, is is big for him. In his case, to, to make the opening day roster, I think you could classify him as sort of a dark horse candidate because of the fact that he made the opening day roster last year. He used to be a top 10 prospect in this system. He, he is no longer. It seems like people have forgotten about him. If you look at his minor league numbers last year, he um, you know, he had a weird season. He, he got hurt. I think he hurt his shoulder. Then he got hit in the face by a pitch late in the season. Mike Elias said that he was going to be an option to get called up in September, but then he got hit in the face. But his minor league numbers were just as good as they've, they've always been. Actually, he hit a home run in over 8% of his at-bats in the minor leagues last season. So this is a guy that has, you know, in terms of pure power, you know, he's up there with, with really anybody, um, you know, in the farm system, maybe outside of a guy like Kobe Mayo. And so, like, I think he's somebody that he's looked he's looked impressive. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got a good arm. He can play he, – he, I think he can play left field at, at Camden Yards, which is important. And so if, if uh, they're looking to, to kind of get young – with those backup outfield spots, you know, I think Kyle Sowers is a name to maybe keep your eye on.
4: Jacob, Calvin Meyer, Baltimore Sun. Jacob, last thing for you, assuming everyone stays healthy, position player-wise, do you see a need for a bat? Because there's still some fancy names looking for homes right now.
5: Um, A short answer, no. I mean, if they think that they can upgrade this team by bringing in a left-handed hitting infielder or a, a DH type of guy that's going to hit right-handed, then maybe – but I don't know, guys. I, I look at this. This is one of the deepest 40-man rosters in the American League. And so you're going to have – this triple team is going to be really good again. And so I just don't know, you know, who you could realistically go out and get as a hitter that, that's, you know, not going to break the bank. We, we know the concerns there payroll-wise. But it's just like I, I don't see it. I think you, you, you're in a situation where Connor Norby is, is putting up 850 OPSs every minor league season – and this dude can hit, and he's always hit. And, you know, he's, he's, pro- you know, he's not even – it doesn't even seem like he has a chance to break the camp with the team. And, and Jackson Holiday's not a guarantee to, to make the opening day roster. And so I think, no, I, I don't think that they're going to go out and get a bat.
4: Jacob Calvin Meyer, Baltimore Sud. Jacob, we appreciate the time. Enjoy sunny Florida and have fun at the game tomorrow. Orioles and Red Sox. Thanks, fellas. Always a pleasure. Jacob Calvin Meyer. It's Vinny at Haiti. 1057. The fan will come back. Reset for you. Stay tuned for that. Former NFL executive Andrew Brant's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Restructurings happening throughout the league. Hey, Derek Carr, he did a solid, (laughs) I guess, for the New Orleans Saints. And also, Amazon Prime spending buku dollars to get a playoff game. Where's all that?
6: Call from mom.
0: Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you
5: and the game.
0: That coming,
2: from- Vinny and, Haney, Vinny and Haney, on your home for sports. 1057 of
3: fan. Particularly as you get older, it gets
4: tougher and tougher and tougher for guys to stay healthy. And unfortunately, Ryan, no fault of his own, but he has had you know a series of injuries that have hurt him, hurt his performance. he's Still a talented player. I think this is going to be a big off season for him. It's Eric talking about Ronnie Stanley. And why do we uh, bring Ronnie up again? Well, we need new news talking about with the Ravens, for one. And DaCosta and Harbsy going to meet with the media at the uh, Combine next week. But Aaron Schatz, ESPN.com, wrote uh, today, as a matter of fact, this morning, uh, bold moves trades at pre agency draft for all 32 teams. And his bold move for, uh, for the Ravens was to cut Ronnie Stanley. Once upon a time, first-team All-Pro, we know the drill, signed his contract extension that very week, got hurt, broke his ankle against the Steelers, and has never been the same since. Cutting Ronnie Stanley before June 1st would save the Ravens 8.3 on the cap, but would leave 17.8 in dead money post-June 1st. Would save 15 million with eleven point two in dead money for twenty-four and additional dead money in twenty-five. So it's not it's not an easy scenario either way, just to go ahead and cut them, because you're losing money. And as you've said many times before, Vinny, you're losing your starting left tackle with no in-house replacement anyway. Right. See, when when
2: you when you do those things too, you gotta say, okay. Then the guy we replace him with, what's he cost? You gotta throw that into the equation too. I mean, you got a high priced quarterback, you just don't want some slappy out there protecting the blind side. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh well I, I that's why, you know, the more and more I think about it, I don't think I think they'll try to get Ronnie healthy and play as many games as if he could play fourteen games for them and McCarey has to play three, fine but just get him healthy through the otas through the mini camp and then the training camp just get him healthy to training camp that's all i would want with Ronnie just get it well, Ronnie, what do you got to do I'd have him with the strength coaches the trainers get him bigger get him stronger you know and I don't think he's a big lifter and i don't know i would want him to be here you know at the start when they when they start he probably won't do that either. Otherwise, Bob, if I can get a replacement, you know, if I can get a kid in the draft, then I'm asking Ronnie to take a pay cut.
4: Now, here's some big news, NFL, and it's it's fitting that Andrew Brandt's going to be joining us next, former Packers uh, vice president. This is now record, reported by multiple media outlets. The NFL salary cap for 2024 is going to be $255.4 million dollars per club with an additional 74 mil in a uh, payment for player benefits includes performance based pay etc 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 so the other day they were saying that it could go up to 250
2: i would think when when the teams when eric got that number if he just got it same time as us right now or whatever they're they're ecstatic because i would imagine we we talked to andrew about it too um what they were going, what he thought, what he heard from teams, what they were projecting, what they were going in on, you know, to work on, you know, their plans. What was their cap number? Was it 245? Was it 250? Because if you, if your plan and you were working over 245, and then all of a sudden it's 10 million higher, you know, instead of 8 million in cap room, now you got 18 million in cap room, which helps. And then you restructure. Maybe you don't have to restructure as much, And you pick up, you know, some uh, ability to do some more things.
4: And this can only be, I would think Vinny, only viewed as a positive. Oh, no doubt. For every team right
2: now. Bob, I can remember when the cap would come in higher, we'd be high-fiving, jumping around, be all
4: excited. When we come back, we're going to get into that subject and more with Andrew Brandt. He's the former vice president of the Green Bay Packers. Now the business of sports podcast bouncing around talking to everybody throughout the media landscape. So uh, big money in the national football league in many different ways. And it looks like bigger money opportunities that is for the player hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for
0: professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: Exclusive home for all Baltimore sports. 105.7 The
4: Fan. Vinny Hattie, 105.7 The Fan. Featured Artist Friday, Speed Speedwagons, chosen by you, the people. One more segment to go, so pick it. We'll make it a good one at 410-583-1057. Bob Haiti, Vinny Serrato, NFL salary cap. That news is uh, pretty much breaking Be fitting if Pink Floyd Money was like the song right now, but it's not. So you improvise and adapt. Joining us now to talk about that and other business-related things revolving around the National Football League, Business of Sports podcast. He knows a thing or two about spending that dough because he's a former executive in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. WGK Law brings us Andrew Brandt. Andrew, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us here on The
6: Fan. Hey guys, good to be with you. As Vinny knows so well, whether my time as an agent or team executive or now analyzing this for media, it's the off season. It's this time of year that's much busier than the season. It's kind of counterintuitive. People think that it's busy when the games are played, but for people on the business side, you know, they kind of are done with the business at kickoff. So. Front office, by September 2023, they were on to 2024. It was all in the hands of the players and coaches. That's just the way it works in the NFL.
4: Now, Andrew, I see that you X'd out, formerly Twitter, uh, that the 255.4, that's all very touching. But I guess there's some caveats here as well, not necessarily meaning all of that could be had for the right player.
6: Yeah, just trying to clear up a lot of misconceptions about salary cap that I try to do every year. Um, we're going to see a lot of reports of restructures and moving cap out of the way, but the amount is really impressive. You know, I want to say that first: a thirty million increase from two twenty four to two fifty five. That's all good news, but people have to realize a lot of the veteran contracts go up by at or more than a million a year. So if you've got Fifteen to twenty contracts going up one to two million. There goes your increase. <laughs> it's, it's gone. Uh, so the natural maturity of contracts soaks up most of the cap increases every year.
2: Hey Andrew, what were they given? Like, what were the GMs given in the December meeting? Because they usually give them. You know, you know how they give you like some type of projection. Yeah. You know, so you can kind of work off of. What were they working off of? Because you know it wasn't two fifty five.
6: No, it was a lot less. And I think they they did that even in my time where they kind of under project so you don't plan too aggressively. I think that's strategic. I mean I never got the league to admit that, but um my sources were telling me it was like two forty three to two forty five. So now they're ten million above that. So it's a nice bonus. And you know, we started to see some restructures. There's a report today to Derek Carr of the saints is going to get a big restructure, which means they're going to push out all this cap room into next year. And the year after to gain some room this year, you would think that this increase will have a lot less of that around the league. Now.
2: Hey, um, Andrew, can you like explain to our listeners? Because everybody, you know, Ronnie Stan, Ronnie Stanley, veteran player was a pro bowler then got paid, you know, now he's struggled and he's been hurt a lot. Um, restructure, cut, or take a pay cut? You know, how, how do you handle that as an agent and, you know, as a team executive, especially like to take a pay cut?
6: Yeah, these are touchy conversations. Um, you know, I ended up starting my career with Green Bay when we were going through a lot of well-known, well-paid veterans that were on the downside Um, players like Dorsey Levins and Leroy Butler and Gilbert Brown. I just remember having to deal with these tough issues. Two things. Number one, I'm sure a player like that, you have to treat with great respect. And if you're talking about a pay cut, not a restructure, actually taking less money, Mm -hmm. the one thing you have to do is be prepared to do what you say you're going to do. So if I'm an agent and I'm approached about a pay cut, the natural question is if we say no what happens and the team has to be prepared to say we will release you because if they don't and they say oh, sorry no my bad we'll, <laughs> we'll keep you on I mean then you're just losing all credibility so this is the time of year where you've got to have some tough conversations if it's a simple restructure like I just talked about with Derek Carr you're moving cap out of the way That's fine. No big deal either side, really. You're not losing any money, but the pay cut is interesting. I guess without knowing Stanley's situation very well, I always tried to resort to the, use the injuries as a way to sort of lower the guaranteed money, Mm -hmm. but bring him above even that money if he plays. So there will be a pay cut, but as long as the players say on the game day roster every week, he could make a lot more than he was supposed to make. That's kind of a compromise.
2: How does that go with the agent and the player, Andrew?
6: It's always going to be what they have out there. And, you know, we're not supposed to tamper or anything like that. But good agents know what the market's going to be if there's a problem with the existing team. And they have to make that calculation. That's what agents are paid to do, uh, to go back to Ronnie Stanley and say, this is what's out there if they release you. Here's our decision.
2: Now, Andrew, talk about, tell the listeners about what uh, agents and executives, like Eric DaCosta, will be doing a lot of next
6: week at the Combine. Yeah, Vinny, I mean, you were in a different role, but (laughs) I'll tell you this. I went to the Packers, combine with the Packers 10 years, and I don't think I saw a workout. Right. Um, But I was busy as heck because I'd set up shop in our little corner of the Omni Hotel, and I'd see the Broncos over there, and I'd see the Raiders over there, and I'd see the Lions over in different parts and just running through the agent meetings. So you have agents that are always circulating, sort of pumping up their rookie class. That's obvious. Then you have agents you want to meet with about, These kind of things you just mentioned pay cuts, pay restructures, and then for the good side with the agents, contract extensions. Then you have the whole set of agents for free agents about to happen in two weeks because they're out there and frankly, they're making deals. Mm -hmm. The free agency starts at the combine. So I always got frustrated because I was not a big free agent team, and I would have to try to meet with my agents of our players, but they were too busy meeting with other teams. Uh, And trying to get on the dance card of agents for our own players was so frustrating to me.
2: Andrew, talk about, like, what the Ravens are going through with Justin Matabike, you know, with franchise tag, trying to get a deal done. When do you apply the tag or are they, because the tag has not been applied yet, are they working on getting a deal? Are they showing progress on getting a deal or they're just waiting until the deadline?
6: I think they are. It's hard to know because some of these tags are because the team wants to rent. And and you can't really say that, but teams have the ability with this powerful tag that I've talked about many times. To just rent the player, see if there's going to be an improvement over the year, see if there's a downturn in performance, see about injury, and make the decision next year. On the other hand, maybe they are working towards a deal. We don't have the deadline for the tag until a couple weeks. And even that doesn't mean much because you can negotiate up until July. Um, I would think they're negotiating, but again, even if they tag them in early March, that's not a big deal. They just have to hold it on their cap. But the tag is such a weapon. People say to me, even the union said this to me and when I talked to them about it, well, it only affects 10 players a year. That's so untrue. Because as a negotiator, when I had my best players, I always had the back pocket tag. And I could always negotiate with leverage knowing that I always had the tag. And the other thing about it is these are top-of-the-market players, if their earnings are restricted then everybody in the league below them is restricted too so people don't understand how how weaponized the tag is
2: now andrew if you were running the bears running you know the things like you used to do in green bay what would yeah. you recommend them to do financially what's the smart move to do
6: with the with the number 1 yes and justin fields i mean they're both If they have both on the team, they're both cost-controlled at least one more year. And when I say cost-controlled, still on the rookie pay uh, scale, even though it's high for top picks. Um, I know that's not a preferred option, but if I'm in the meetings, I would talk about that. That is an option to have both on the roster and to have them as leverage, well, fields really, leverage for trade up until the trade deadline. Um, and bring a, bring the number one pick, probably Williams, along slowly. But as much as we talk about that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a, a trade out of the one or a trade of fields, and probably more likely a trade of fields. Listen, you, this is more your area than mine, Vinny. If you do not have a conviction about a player at that level, after three years, then that's a problem, I would think.
4: Andrew Brandt joining us, Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Andrew, we know you're a busy guy, but uh, but quickly, sports business-related, uh, business of sports podcast, he's going to tell us about it here in a second. Streaming with the NFL, we saw a playoff game on um, Peacock. Looks like yeah. primes to what, a million, 100, 120 mil for a playoff game in 2025 the obvious question is is this going to kind of eventually become what a super bowl sunday party's going to be paying
6: to watch said game uh that's a long way off but listen the peacock game this year a lot of grousing but everyone bought it yes (laughs) and we're all used to amazon so that'll be no problem next year we're used to it because at one point it was foreign to have Thursday night football streaming only. And now we've accepted it. And my point there is we're going to start accepting that. So I think for a few years, okay, wild card game. And then we're going to creep into a divisional game. Will we go that bridge to a championship game and God forbid a Super Bowl? I don't, I would think, gosh, that's a long, long way off. But I could see a divisional round game going there in the next five years after, just like I said with Amazon, after we get used to a wild card game. And then it's just this slow creep of streaming and what's happening. And I'm, as a sports business person, I'm fascinated by this streaming app with ESPN, TNT and Fox joining forces because that cannibalizes their own programming. So. I really want to see what happens with that.
4: Andrew, tell everybody about your podcast, about sports business.
6: Business of sports is where I delve into these topics in a unique way, and you can catch it on all your podcast channels. Also, the newsletter. Every week, Sunday, I fill your inbox with new insights about business of football, business of sports, some life hacks. Just go to andrew-brandt.com and sign up.
4: Andrew Brandt. Appreciate the time. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks,
6: Andrew. Same to you guys.
4: Andrew Brand. everybody. Super Bowl, not pay-per-view yet, but divisional round. Coming. Eh, Like you said, you know, we're used to that Thursday thing already. Like it or not, we'll come back. We we all love the fun house. We're going to visit that. That Inside Access, we love that too, coming up at 2 o'clock.
2: Sports with Balls. It's Vinny and Amy, 105.7 The fan.
4: Haiti 1057 the fifth featured artist Friday reO Speedwagon, coming out with their biggest hit arguably of their career going back to 1981 Bob Haiti bit Serato, salary cap NFL 255.4 that's 255.4 million that is
2: yeah and and I'll bet you Eric was working off of probably 245 and that'll be that'll be a big plus for them. It'll give them them a little bit more operating room you know, for him. And, you know, like we heard Andrew was talking about, I don't know if Eric will see any of the workouts when he's there because so many agents that he's got to meet with and restructuring and things that he, and contracts that he's
4: got to try to get done. Orioles open their exhibition season tomorrow against Boston. It's all massing pirates on Sunday. So we'll have two games to talk about when we reconvene on Monday, Turf Sunday afternoon at Rutgers. Well, they got a lot of work to do and, Let's just say it'll afford a loss if they want to go dancing realistically, maybe even get into the NIT and talk about anticlimactic. Or is it climactic? Anyway, Maryland going dancing, probably a long shot, but stranger things have happened. Inside access coming up in a matter of minutes. Let's go to the fun house. I'm ready to
2: get out of here. Quick draws, funhouse.
0: The,
2: the I rudeness, tuness, text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the
3: Chesapeake.
0: I like that
2: quick draw.
3: One oh five seven, the fan. Well, speaking of Maryland, this texter here says, "You look at the Terps' schedule the rest of the way. I see maybe one more win, Indiana at home, uh, but Rutgers and Penn State on the road are always
4: a challenge." Northwestern, tourney ready for them. Yeah, Good Maryland teams have lost at Penn State before. Rutgers just won here a couple of weeks ago. Indiana might be worse off than Maryland is right now. So one in three, that might be an optimistic way to look at things right Damn. now. Did you write that text, Bob? You, you were uh, talking I said about that it. off yeah. the air about three yeah. hours ago. Because <laughs> Northwestern's good to hammer time on Puffy pants.
3: Uh, this one here says I feel pretty confident the Ravens will come away from free agency with some sort of notable running back there's just too many available and honestly I don't think it can go wrong with any of them in my opinion I'm also open to bringing Edwards back for depth he's not uh, 100% done yet uh, but far from a lead guy justice a quality third better than most in the league when you get down in depth chart so I don't think reading reading on the Ravens website
2: sounds like Gus Bus is not coming back. That ship has sailed.
3: Let's say free agency plays out. Again, you got so many other names there on the market. Edwards kind of goes under the radar, doesn't sign anywhere. Is he a guy that, you know, last stitch effort comes back, or is it is it fully fully done, like you say? Well, that wouldn't even happen. That
2: wouldn't even be a discussion for me until after the draft and see what I have, mm-hmm. what I take.
4: Maybe we'll go to the Chargers. They're looking to run the ball more. Yeah, yeah. The out Roman. there. <laughs> you love those quotes, right?
3: Imagine Justin Herbert no, with I'm, a run game. I'm waiting for the uh, high tide thing to start happening there. Imagine Lamar with a pass game. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be saying the, the inverse of that. Uh, how about Howard in Baltimore? Checking in says, "What are the plans with Andrews and likely moving forward?" When Andrews came back for the playoff game, it seemed as if likely completely disappeared from the play calling. Uh, despite being a big time player for them down the stretch, they should continue to feed the hot hand in my opinion.
2: Well, there'll be some situations probably where they're both on a field. I, you know, by having, let's say two receivers a running back and two tight ends. You know, you don't have anybody can block. That's the problem with the tight ends. You know, you know, Your
3: running is extremely limited in that case. And uh, we'll close here with uh, maybe somewhat of a hot take. We were talking about Grayson Rodriguez, his potential this year. As texter says, mark my words, Grayson Rodriguez will be the best pitcher on the Orioles staff this year. That's right, even better than Burns. Hey, look, if it's
4: meaning that he's taken two levels up and Burns is still what Burns is, bring it on. I'll still go with Corbin Burns based on track record, but the upside for Grayson Rodriguez is undeniable. Orioles tomorrow, Corbin Burns will be on the Hill. We'll be talking about that and more when we reconvene on Monday. Inside access coming up here in a matter of minutes. For Nolan McGraw, Eddie Serrano, I'm Bob Haney. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. For now, stay safe, stay healthy.
1: Plastic this morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,